Thanks for tuning into the Sounds of Healing podcast. You will discover a new way of being using the power of sound and vibrations. We'll be having conversations with new thought leaders, sound healers, and mind-body experts. Listen and find the path to your elevated dreams. I am so excited about our guest, Pramik Russell Tubbs. I will always remember the first time that I met you. You had just performed at the Global Peace Song Awards ceremony, I think, with Ricky Kesh. Is that right? Ricky Kesh, yes, yes, yes. That's when it's Manhattan. And is that really the first time we met? That's I think amazing. so because it was so beautiful. I thought it was L.A., but it was a really elegant pre-Grammy event. It was so beautiful because Neil Taylor introduced me to you. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I was so excited to meet you. I remember I, now. That was amazing. And I have to include a disclaimer. First of all, I love the saxophone so much, just second to the viola. And <laughs> you're my very favorite sax player. I am just, just think you're just phenomenal. And you're so inspiring. I'm so honored to be able to call you a friend. So as I, and, and then I'm going to add, when I was dreaming about my CD, Song Path, I dreamed about it and I decided to have this wild and crazy dream reaching for the stars and I called you up and I asked if you'd be on my CD and you said yes and I was like oh my gosh you've gotten to perform some tracks and it's just been amazing and it got the top 10 of four billboard charts and I have a surprise coming up about one of the songs that I'm doing something with too so this Great. is a beautiful journey and I'm so glad that you're able to share here with this Sounds of Healing podcast community it's just a beautiful experience how you uplift everyone so much with your music and your presence. So I want to share a little bit about your background. It is so extensive that I'm not able to include everything. And the more recent things I really want to hear about from you. So you represent the East meeting the West. You're the most amazing composer, arranger, producer, and an accomplished multi-instrumentalist who performs on various flutes, soprano, alto, and tenor saxophone, wind synthesizers, and lap steel guitar. Premik has worked with everyone from Carlos Santana, Whitney Houston, Herbie Hancock, John McLaughlin, Ravi Shankar, Jean-Luc Ponty, Narada Michael Walden, Clarence Clemens, Ornette Coleman, Jackson Brown, Jean-Luc Ponty, Lonnie Liston-Smith, Scarlett Riviera, James Taylor, Sting, and Lady Gaga, and many more. You combine the world of pop and R&B and jazz and world and experimental genres and make it all your own. You've performed so many times at Carnegie Hall, recorded with many Grammy artists, and you're the son of a big band arranger. He played the trumpet and fuglehorn, the artist Harry Tubbs who also did arrangements for John Coltrane's band. If we look at just one month in Premik's life in the past, your schedule led you from performing with Sting's Rainforest Foundation Fund Benefit Concert, some kind of legacy at Carnegie Hall, followed by extensive touring with Russian legend Boris Gremnitschikov. Grebenchikov. <laughs> say that again. Yeah, Boris Grebenchikov. He's, he's considered basically like the Bob Dylan or Neil Young of Russia. He's a really, really amazing major artist over there. Oh, I love that. You, mm. you started in London at the Royal Albert 
Hall. Mm -hmm. You continued on to Dublin, Kiev, Milan, Moscow, St. Petersburg, and you ended the year in Vienna. And you also accompanied Rabbi Shankar and his daughter, Anushka Shankar, on tambora at the Kimmel Center in Philadelphia on various occasions. And in more recent years, Pramik was invited to perform at Carnegie Hall in the Revlon concert for the Rainforest Fund, featuring Sting, Elton John, James Taylor, Meryl Streep, Jennifer Hudson, Bruno Mars, Catherine McPhee, Bryn Terfel, Roseanne Cash, and Vince Gill. One review of <laughs> Bangalore Breakdown, the CD diary, said, which brings us to the question of what to call this music. Is it world music? Is it jazz? Is it some kind of new, uncategorizable fusion that hasn't yet been labeled? Whatever you call the music on Diary, it is undeniably heartfelt expression coming from a genuine place. And here's I, the album cover. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I know that it's a bit of a dark texture to it. That is beautiful. But, uh, yeah, that, that's on CD Baby and uh, iTunes and all that. I love that. And you said, I played it to friends of mine who have heard me in more tame settings or even with the Maha Vishnu project, which is music that they categorize, says Premik. And they listen and say, this is like a flavor of ice cream I've never tasted before. And doesn't everyone like ice cream? <laughs> Bill Milkowski, a regular yeah. contributor to Jazz Times. And when that numerous list of monstrous stars were named... I want to add that you weren't one of the people in the backstage in the band. You were in the front and center being featured with your amazing solos. And you were always so free. There's just so much to, to add about what you do. But I'm going to just start out with a question about how you can be so free. I've always loved jazz players. I love to improvise, but I go free in my own way. But you're able to go free in a structure with chord structures and with melody running through your mind and you just can go wild and crazy and I just that must just feel amazing do you have any hints about how you're able to do that besides all your talent and experience well music ultimately to me is an intuitive process uh, a spiritual and intuitive process and um, it takes a certain amount of training you know ear training technical training but ultimately when you're performing all the training and the mental aspect has to be put aside and you really need to go into the intuitive realms. And um, when you're in the intuitive realms, it's, it, the style doesn't matter so much. It, it's really, um, it, it's, it has to be a process of going deep within and accessing those you know, inner worlds, those inner um, parts of yourself that can come forward. And that can come forward in terms of writing a structured composition, uh, even classical style, or come forward in the terms of improvisation. One thing I love about the Indian classical music, they use the word classical, but in fact, the, um, the North Indian classical music is about 90% improvisation. Really? Yeah, but it's a different form of improvisation than we know of in the West. They do, in the Hindustani system, they do um, the raga. You know, the, the raga is really what they call an unfolding melodic form. We may think of it, we may see it on paper as a scale but there's so much more to it. It's much, much deeper than, you know, playing a scale up and down. They can improvise on one raga for an hour. Wow. Yeah, and never repeat themselves. And so wow. the later career of John Coltrane, you heard him go into those experimental realms where the music became much more modal, for example, improvising over like a, a one tonal center rather than a bunch of a series of chords, which is what, 
more traditional jazz is comprised of. Um, but both paths um, are wonderful to pursue. The, uh, the world of more modal or um, fusion type plane and also the, um, the, the, what they call plane over changes. That's a whole world unto itself as well. It's just amazing. Does each raga have a spiritual aspect to it? Absolutely. Um, if you study it deeply, they actually go to the extent that they feel certain ragas should only be performed at certain times of the day or evening. Wow. Uh, unlike our Western music, which has no you know boundaries like that, um, they have um, ragas for the different seasons of the year, like the rainy season or, uh, you know, um, different aspects that, that are supposed to invoke that atmosphere. So, so, in, the, so in these fall days, do you get inspired to play a fall raga? Uh, well, I'll <laughs> tell you, my knowledge really isn't that extent. I, I just really go for what um, resonates within me, you know. Um, mm. I've, I've also, you know, to at least a small extent, studied some of the music of some of the great um classical contemporary composers like Olivia Messiaen. I'm a big mm. fan of his music, which to me is, he is a guy that really accessed the higher worlds um, through wow. his music. I know he was a very, very religious person, but he also studied some of the Indian rhythms and raga systems as well, which you can hear in his music. That is it, so amazing. I'm going to be inspired to go listen to some of that. That That's another thing about uh, the rhythms that are underlying the ragas how, how do you explain that right yes. right right well the raga a raga performance is usually comprised of several sections first is called alap and the word alap means the source like the source of music think of it like as a river which begins as only like at the little trickle at the top of a mountain um where there's very little motion and then then picks up more and more intensity as it travels down the mountain so in the alap there's no rhythm it's just introducing the atmosphere of the raga and then then slowly but surely like a slow rhythm will come in and then eventually will build up and build up and there are many different time cycles you know um um for example our r44 is um actually not used very much over there uh they have like a 16 beat cycle mm -hmm. like uh you know um that which the, the top of players um initially yeah. learn and there's all kinds of subdivisions you can do a Pieces in, in seven, nine, 13, wow. 15, and do lots of other fun. Do they keep track of it on their fingers? Yeah, they, they do a system where they keep track of it on their fingers. And in, in, oh in the South Indian, there's something that's called conical, which is the um, language of rhythm, which is done with a mouth, like, like takadimi, takadimi, ta, you know. Oh, uh, you might have heard, like, have those, heard that. those cycles of rhythm, like takadimi, takita, takadimi, takita, takadimi, takita. That's a seven beat cycle. And then you just learn That'd to improvise so cool. within that seven beat cycle, that which is, is pretty extraordinary. So amazing. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm always thinking about how we can apply that to our lives. You know, like what part of our life is just the river coming in and then all the different rhythms we see and how we can adapt them and how we listen and how we keep track. And, you know, it's always, we're always improvising in our lives. Don't you right. feel the, the right. connection? I've... And I was thinking, cause like, and what you what we do is who we really are. And as we have this pandemic, this time to be quieter, this time to have a new structure, we can all be open to new things and and how the different parts of the world have these different ways of seeing it and hearing it and expressing it. And that we could 
learn. And you're such an example of just incorporating just so much and with such brilliance and inspiration. You've introduced me. I'll, I'll never forget when when you you had trusted me to to be able to play a raga with. Oh, I remember we were we yeah. did a trio with a tabla yeah, player, yeah. I believe. You, you can do this, and you you decided you could teach me this whole system you just mentioned for this one performance, and it was, may I say, it was extremely exciting. Uh, I, I remember that. I was very honored. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a beautiful experience. Well, I also have to say that playing on your lovely album, Soundpath, oh. uh, was, an, was a beautiful experience as oh. well, because th th those uh, compositions are absolutely um, uplifting. So Oh, that's so beautiful. You added so much, a whole other dimension. Thank you so much. And and I'll just f finish by saying when I was on the stage and it was with Steve and you guys, the two of you just went off crazy. And I'll never forget. It was almost like the energy lifted me off the stage. And at one point I just started joining in. You, I couldn't help it. And I was like, wow, what an honor to be here. It was it was so kind of you to to have the courage to to believe in me that I could actually accomplish that so quickly. So I'm still catching up and learning and appreciate that inspiration and glad I could share with other people here that we can all try something new and be brave and, um, and we That's can so true. To well, talk well, about you, it. Well, you are an example of that because, because you went off <laughs> and, you know, your, your album is a, is a new adventure in sound making. Yes. Uh, and it's, it's, it's really, really beautiful as well. Thank you so much. This isn't a religious platform, but you have such a beautiful presence of calm and you're just always smiling and you're just always supportive and you have so much integrity. And I was wondering what you could share about your own meditation practice because it just contributes to every part of your life and how you support everyone else, including how you can be on stage and make the main person, or you're both main people, but you know what I mean, they're and your equal build or however it is, but you don't have an ego that's saying, well, I just made their album or I made this performance incredible for them and you don't need to take all the credit and not everyone would be able to have that ability, the combination of excellence and brilliance and humility and just how you're able to, I just would love to know more. I mean, I've experienced it with you every time I've been with you, but what is there something you could share with us about your meditation, uh, absolutely. But but first, a little bit of a humorous story. You, okay. you may you may feel I'm uh, full of peace and all that, but I have to tell you, when I first was brought into this amazing group called the Mahavishnu Orchestra, um, imagine someone who maybe up until that point, like I was, I was 22 years old at the time. Up to that point, I played in the you know like where like high school gyms or or little clubs here and there, um, maybe at, at the most for you know, 100 or 200 people as part of a, you know, concert or something. Suddenly, I joined this group. Um, the first show is at the Royal Albert Hall in front of 4,500 people. Wow. You can just imagine the feeling. I don't remember a point in this life being that nervous, ever. Um, <laughs> so so you can have 20 years of meditation and still, like, have a, have a, a case of the nerves. If, you, okay. that, if that can happen, encouraging to know. <laughs> but but um, no, I find the meditation practice to be essential. Um, even as a 15 year old, um, I 
was introduced to Eastern mysticism. I think I was walking on the streets of Gunnett's village as a teenager, you know, my mom would let me take the train to the city because I only grew up a north, about an hour north of Manhattan in a little town called Croton on Hudson. And I was wandering the streets of the village. I came upon, a, upon a interesting groups in the, in the orange robes and ended up having like an hour conversation with them. I'd never heard of any form of Eastern mysticism before. And I brought home their book and their LP of the Kirtan chanting. And I started reading, I started putting it on the album and I said, wow, this is like some other energy I've never experienced before. It, it was almost like, if I can get a little metaphysical here, it was almost like remembering a past life or something. I had a very deep experience and just mm -hmm. got right into that reading, right into the, and then that led me to one thing after another, after another. I, I uh, read the autobiography of a yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. Mm -hmm. And then years, a few years later, um, when I was 21, my dear friend, Narda Michael Walden, who's a um, Grammy-winning record producer, at the time he was kind of an unknown jazz fusion drummer, but he had become a student of the spiritual teacher, Sri Chinmoy. So he finally convinced me to come down to Queens. I was actually living in sort of a, a musical commune with him and some other musicians way up in uh, like Canaan, Connecticut. I finally mm. talked me into coming down and I had such a deep special experience that it really turned my life around forever. And then I eventually a few months later became his student in meditation. And um, it's been just an incredible journey. And uh, it's sort of like, if you can imagine, like say you, you love the guitar, you love the piano, you love the viola. Well, you can buy one at a store and you can learn to play on your own without any instruction to a certain extent, but you could develop a lot of bad habits. Your progress might be very slow. And here's the key. There's no substitute for having a good teacher, mm -hmm. whether it's learning music, learning a science or the art of meditation, because it, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's like an inner art, but it is an art in a way in, mm -hmm. in this, uh, in this, uh, you know, tumultuous world we live in, I find it's absolutely essential to have some form of meditation practice. And it's not enough just to go to a meeting or a church or a temple once a week, and then the other six and a half days a week, you're just doing whatever you do. It really needs to be a, a regular practice to establish a real foundation of, uh, of something that really lasts. Mm. So that's what I'd like to share with that. Thank you. That's really beautiful and how do you feel that music and sound especially the sound has personally impacted your life on an energetic level the vibrations right 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 well music operates on many many different levels and um you may remember that classic book the secret life of plants where they did the experiments and playing different types of music yes. um and uh, I, from what I remember, what I was told is that the two forms of music where the plants really flourished were the music of Johann Sebastian Bach and the music of Ravi Shankar. Oh. And what I, what I remember what a friend told me who read that chapter said that the, the plants grew very, very tall when, like, you know, for 24 hours at a time where they played the music of Bach. Now, when they play the Indian classical music, the plants went to even another level of flourishing like all over the room. Wow. So now it also, you can see how that can have that effect on the human psyche, you know? Yeah. Um, that's why, you know, there's such a plethora of um, 
you know, healing music that's become more and more prominent. Uh, like on YouTube, you can have like these endless channels of, uh, you know, the, also the science of tuning your frequencies to different, um, like the 432 hertz tuning nice. and all that sort of thing, which is very, very interesting. And I hear a lot of these tracks and I actually use some of them for meditation. It's very, very beautiful. So uh, yeah, there, there is a whole, I mean, you've studied this of course very extensively, so you should brag about what you do as well. Oh, well, thank you. Um, because of, um, you know, um, by vibrational healing and, um, you know, they also, but it's been around thousands of years. It's just sort of being rediscovered, I think, in a new way. Yes, and, and to look for the truth in it, the, not right. the hype in the big expensive programs, you know, but the, the real, the essence of the vibrations and how we vibrate and just how we communicate. And, and, and I know that we can share this and it includes also all the listeners who have been part of listening to any performance because it's a circular group event right. even worldwide but sometimes when i'm on stage and it's just so amazing and it's the vibrations are incredible and the, the sounds and everything you're like oh i'm i'm just the most fortunate person in the world that i'm sitting and being here right now so that yes. we can all find those moments and really the impact they can have on our lives and of course now we have to really stretch because now we're mainly connected energetically through these screens but the energy that we really communicate and connect with has been around forever. Right. So it's just that we kind of got used to, of course, we look forward to the day we're back in person. I look forward to seeing you in person. But here we are. This is still beautiful that we can connect our hearts in this way and with everybody. So, yeah. yeah have you adjusted to, I mean, there's so, so many changes. And I think, especially for you having your wings clipped for a few moments i mean you you would travel the world so frequently it must be quite the adjustment to have gotten used to this zoom world and all that that's do you have any thoughts about how you've been able to make that adjustment i have to say honestly i almost don't believe in adjusting to it ah, okay. it might be a funny way to put it but <laughs> i can accept it but i would never never accept it as the only way I know, uh, there, I know. There is no substitute for performing live and in person. There is none, no. And, and sharing energy live and in person. There is a, there, um, I have to say honestly, there is a pretty serious disconnect I experience. Yeah. Um, when doing things via screen. I mean, fortunately, we're, we're connected well, always because yes. we know each other. And, um, but yeah, no, no, there, there is no substitute for the, uh, the but the, the two worlds can operate side by side. Um, but I would never, never agree to substituting one for the other. No, and yeah. thank you. Thank you for that honesty and the reminder because we don't want to become complacent and we don't want the new exactly. world. We want to have, we want to build even more, not, mm -hmm. not resort to going back to less. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. I'm at a loss for words because I always love talking to you and you tell me what you've just finished and what you have coming up. And you were so excited when you were, you weren't really like a prisoner let out and becoming free because you were not in, when, mm. when you talked about that recording gig you had in, in Woodstock, your first gigs outside and with other people that were in September, I think you just. Oh yeah, early August. In so fact, I spent. You were just, just, mm. it was, you, you almost felt like you were flying. You were so happy. Can you tell yeah. us about that? 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a wonderful, wonderful guitarist I work with, um, who uh, I know everyone knows of Will Ackerman, the you know the, yes. the founder of Windham Hill Records, and he is a wonderful guitarist himself. Well, Will Ackerman was the producer for Todd Mosby's music. Uh, Todd Mosby is a wonderful guitarist um, who uh, comes out of St. Louis, Missouri. And um, we met about um, seven years ago or so, uh, six, seven years ago, when I was asked to play some parts on his album, um, which was produced by Will at his uh, Will studio in Vermont. Anyway, um, so um, Todd did something very, very wonderful during this, even during this crazy COVID period, he says, no, it's time to make a new record and we're gonna bring everyone together live and in person. We're not gonna do the virtual nonsense anymore. And we're all gonna meet live and in person. And anyone has issues with that, fine, we'll, we'll get other people. So uh, we, we all met together in real life, live and in person. And the project was so beautiful. Um, it just was released um, about a month ago. It's called Aerial Views, like views from the air. Oh, beautiful. Uh, so, so I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, the physical CD, I think, hasn't been released yet, but it's on all the platforms, you know, Bandcamp and and all the others. So, um, mm. so yeah, so that was a very, very special experience uh, coming back together with so many wonderful players. And also it was... Um, it was done at the appropriately named Dreamland Studios wow. in Woodstock. Actually, it's just outside of Woodstock. It was a converted big church, but mm. it's a it's a world-renowned studios. I mean, you know, so many great people have been there. The uh, owner was a former drummer for Peter Gabriel, and um, really, really great staff, really great people. So yeah, it was a it was a coming out of hiding experience. Wow, and, that's uh, exciting, and we can very, very special to our own versions of that. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I would love if you could share with us about your own albums that you've created. I haven't understood. What, what albums have you created? And do you have any stories about them? Um, right. Well, oh, I mentioned one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. The one the one I did with um, it was a wonderful collective of phenomenal New York area musicians, um, very much a world East West fusion project. Um, we called the group Bangalore Breakdown and wow. uh, kind of a play on words because, um, you know, in bluegrass music, they have a style called the breakdown uh, mm -hmm. where it's like really fast bluegrass type music. So we did a kind of a play on that when Bangalore is a city in India. So mm -hmm. um, brought those two words together. I actually have a song um, that goes by that same name, Bangalore Breakdown. Anyway, so that, that diary album was a great coming together of many, many players. In fact, the great viola, um, Leova, Lev Zervin, is on that album. Mm. And um, many other players that. as well. Yeah, I yeah. that up. And uh, in terms of my own solo projects, I, I did some, uh, a few ones in the early 80s. Then uh, one I'm particularly happy with was uh, released in 2004. And the album is called Mission Transcendence. And this is it right here, if I'm getting it in the oh, light. beautiful cover. I want to hear that. Yeah. Is that available I, online? Yeah, yes, it is. It's, it's, it's an iTunes and CD Baby. Great. Um, those two platforms for sure. And uh, that was primarily all solo, where I, I played most of the instruments, except for um, a few guest artists um, on uh, mm. bass and uh, a few other, few other players. Um, the music that I sent you actually on that MP3 yes, was something. Yeah, so that was never released actually. That was done in my home studio with me playing all the instruments. Mm. 
And really? What did you play? Um, let's see, starting with um, soprano sax, flute, keyboard, um, and sampled instruments like sampled classical guitar, um, all the percussion and bass. Wow. Oh my gosh. How long did that take you? You know, it was too long ago. I, I, I did this one in the early 90s, so it was kind of a classic from the vault. Wow. And so how long it took, I actually don't remember. I, th I think it was done maybe in a couple of days. Really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so, so exciting. And is there anything about the song itself that you'd like to share? Oh, yeah. Actually, it's, it's based on a devotional Indian melody, but it's done more in a jazz fusion kind of style. It's a devotional melody actually composed by Sri Chinmoy. Um, I don't remember the actual original Bengali name of that song, but it was, it was originally many years ago. It was a, a kind of a, a devotional Bengali song that I transformed into a, a more uh, jazz type fusion piece. Wow. And you have this beautiful studio right where you are. And how have you learned to navigate that whole technical world? Yeah, well, I, I think my, my right brain, the creative side, works pretty well. I, but I think the left side is kind of the size of a peanut. So it takes time <laughs> for me to uh, get the technical thing down. But but uh, yeah, I, I, mean, I have a simple but workable home studio here that I produce a number of CD projects on. Actually, just um, several months ago, I produced an album for this um, wonderful Russian baritone singer uh, who was uh, trained in Moscow. His name oh. is Yosef Behrman. Beautiful. Uh, and um, very multi many, many different styles. He did opera. He did uh, some tunes from the Great American Songbook. Um, oh, great. And that, that his daughter is an incredibly talented singer. And I'm actually in the middle, Lila Fairman, I'm in the middle of producing an album for her right now. Um, mostly a trio with her, a Russian a, a pianist originally from Russia, a great jazz player named Misha Syaganov, and some other guest artists. So that's my current project right Exciting. now. Exciting. Wow. And you also teach. I, I've had the great pleasure of hearing one of your students who's a real prodigy and following in your footsteps. Oh, yeah. I, I, this one really, really brilliant student um, who plays the highest level of classical repertoire on the sax as a 16-year-old. And um, it's phenomenal. Amazing. It's amazing that he, you know, 99.9% .9 of all sax players, they go in the jazz or pop rock direction. He went in a more classical direction. Mm. Um, but so his parents actually had to have two teachers to handle the degree of talent. So I'm, I'm taking care of the improvisation, the jazz side of him, but he's excelling even higher at the classical side where they, they do a Juilliard teacher to take care of his classical studies. Oh, yeah, so, so I'm very, very blessed to have some people like that on board. It's, it's so great. Another thing that reminds me of jo is John Coltrane. Yes. How you're, you're, I just read that your dad was connected with the arrangements and that you're carrying on his legacy. I've been able to be there in Huntington where there's this nonprofit that's helping to keep his house as a historical landmark. Oh, yeah, the, the Coltrane Home Foundation. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they're very special, and they worked so hard to preserve his house, which was uh, slated for demolition some years back, but they now made it into a national monument. It's officially designated as a mon you know, national um, treasure. And um, I have yet to go to the house because they've been working on restoring it, but I think I'll be able to do that hopefully sometime soon. I hope your sax will be with you. Absolutely. Yeah, yes. well, the great saxophonist Joe Lovano, there's already a video of him playing 
um, a tribute to John Coltrane in the very room where Coltrane composed his immortal album, A Love Supreme. Oh, well, I'll be waiting to hear your so, music and video. I'm hoping to have spot. the same honor at some yes, point. Yes, I, I yeah. know you will. That'll be amazing. And what was the documentary you recommended to me that I just loved on John Coltrane? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, it, it came out about, um, I guess it came out about a year and a half ago now. Uh, it's called Chasing Train, like T-R-A-N-E. And it's just it, so it, inspiring. It's on Netflix. It's extraordinary. It really is. And I love how a lot of the people that you work with, I think Sting and maybe Santana and Coltrane, all have this interwoven spiritual aspect. They really do. what inspires them and what they do. And I just think that's so beautiful for all of our lives to see the depth and to see the invisible and to see the connections and to see what we can do that's even bigger than just ourselves. Absolutely. You, you said it so perfectly. That is just so, so exciting. I have this idea of the silver linings. And like we were saying before we started, how a big part of it is just not giving up. And especially True. for now, True. You know, to keep focused on who we are and what we're doing and what we can do to contribute and to kind of let the noise go because there's right. so much noise going on. But did you find any silver linings of something that changed that you can bring into your future dreams with the COVID? Mm. Were there some parts of it that you found you had more time to work on something or to notice something? Or was it just a kind of a big change um, no no that that that's all a very very good question and and it's it's one almost that we may not be able to even answer till after it's all passed and you look back on it and say okay you know this is this was my experience during that time because we're still in, in the yeah. experience but you know I, I i've been blessed to have a good amount of activities come along so that it's not a complete washout. I, I mean, there, there are stories of people going through tremendous emotional distress, a lot of negativity yeah. as well. That's so beautiful that you said that because you live in the moment. It's really what we, what is the best state to be because it's in the moment that we have our presence power. And I was thinking also about musicians. We are the hardest hit. You know, they talk about the transportation and all these other industries, but, but music and Carnegie Hall and, and all everything's just stopped and just everyone's financial resources. But then also as musicians, we're the most blessed because no one can take away the music inside of us and no one can take away our inspiration. So it's just to continue on and find even new sources of being able to sustain ourselves financially and other ways to be inspired to do our projects, but to shift them into however we, we can so we can keep doing it. Maybe we have to go back to when the the churches and the kings and queens and all the patrons supported the arts. Well, a few patrons would be a great idea right about now. Yeah, yeah. We'll put out an advertisement. Hello, we're here, yeah. right? But, Except about know, there, there might be about 150,000 people that need those patrons <laughs> right about now or more. <laughs> I know. So meanwhile, we'll just keep knowing that, that that we're blessed to be able to have this way to express ourselves and to bring a message to other people and to be able to come together and share and and just to use the the vibrations and the sound that we we have and it helps us to heal and it helps us to have joy and and the peace and so much meaning in our lives so i'm so grateful so grateful 
and I look forward to being able to connect with you even more and just thank you so much for all well, you my, share my, always. My, my joy. Well, you, you bring out the best in people. So you, oh, you're a real you. instrument of that as well. Thank you so much. I think the fear of a virus is worse than the virus itself. I think people living mm -hmm. in fear is the worst possible thing. And, and uh, you know, people really need to transcend any form of, of, of fear and know that they're free beings. We all have our different comfort zones of what version that has in our lives and everybody has different health situations. And so I think we can all respect each other and, and we've seen how people are taking care of each other and themselves. So that's been right. part of the growth, I think. But it, it is great to see that you're able to still offer your music and the world's an even bigger stage outside. And I guess we'll see how many of those outdoor heaters you can bring in for a concert and <laughs> what else comes. But it's not forever. It's not forever. Right, right. Also, also, I think the, um, the music venues are, are starting to open up. I think there was a big legal battle recently where... Um, Cuomo actually laid down these, the New York, New York governor laid down these really draconian laws that a judge, judge declared unconstitutional. Wow. Uh, you know, because he originally said that music venues um, mm. no longer can charge admission or sell tickets. You have to do it by donation only. Wow. And you can't advertise. You have to, you know, um, it, it was really, really against the musicians. And so they rose up and, uh, wow. and a judge said, nope, can't do that. You, you cannot... Wow. you know do that to these people so um and how can people contact you or find out more about you um yes happy to give my um well uh, you can find me on facebook uh Premique russell tubbs um, oh and tell them how to spell that please yeah uh the Premik is actually my spiritual name given to me by my teacher sri chimoy Premik. the word Premik is a bengali word um the way he translates it it means unconditional lover of god God in whatever form so you choose. Perfect. And um, so, um, yeah, you can you can reach me on Facebook on, under my full name, Premik Russell Tubbs, or um, happy to um, accept your email. Like you just use my name, Premik Tubbs at Earthlink.net. Um, Premik.com is actually disappearing very soon. It's going to be a new redesigned website in the future. Oh. So, so the website's going to go bye bye very soon. What will uh, the new website address be? We don't know yet. Oh, it's my gonna, goodness. So everyone has to stay tuned. It's going to be recreated. Yeah. I'll let everybody know. Yeah. Premi.com does exist for a, for a few more days. Oh, yeah. I've enjoyed looking at it. I, would, I love how you have double letters, though. Can you help people find you by spelling it out, your name? Sure, sure. Okay. Well, on Facebook... Um, it's the Premik, P-R-E-M-I-K, Russell, R-U-S-S-E-L-L, -L, Tubbs, T-U-B-B-S. Yes. Because yes. there are other Premiks on Facebook, and because it is it is a actual Indian word that's used quite a lot. Um, oh, okay. So, and, th and then you use this, the first and very last name, you know, Premik Tubbs at earthlink.net to send me a message, send me an email. Mm. Oh, that's best. so beautiful. And I, I hope everyone has a great experience of hearing your music and meeting you and hearing you live one day and now people will be able to enjoy song seven so thank you so much and many many blessings namaste namaste you're so welcome and i hope a lot of people more people get to hear your beautiful music as well oh thank you so much
Blessings and love. Thank you. And to you too. Thank you.
listening to the Sounds of Healing podcast. Please subscribe to our community as we raise our vibrations and offer support and celebration. To learn more about today's story and guest, and to receive free gifts, please visit KarenOlson.com. That's K-A-R-E-N-O-L-S-O-N. And click on podcast. Until next time, may you have many sound blessings.